All right, well, good morning, church. Good to see you guys this morning. We're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's Easter Sunday, an opportunity for us to do that. Um, and this morning we're going to be in Matthew's Gospel, uh, Matthew chapter 27 and 28, uh, is where we're going to be at this morning. And we'll walk through uh, some of that as, as we are uh, walking through today's message. And I've entitled today's message, How Can I Know Jesus' Resurrection Was a Reality? How can I know that Jesus' resurrection was a reality? Matthew 27 and 28. I'm going to read just a portion, and then I'm going to read to you both chapters. Uh, but I'll read just a portion of that in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Would you bow with me in prayer? God, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to gather together as your church, as your church to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. God, we thank you for a Savior. We thank you for a Savior who is not just a Savior in word only, but in, but in deed, God. And we know that, that He is our Savior. We know that He can save us from death because He has defeated death Himself. And today we celebrate that. As we walk through this text this morning, Lord, would you help us? Help us to know that, that Jesus really did resurrect from the grave, God. Would you... Would you Allow hope to well up inside of us as we know that one day we will resurrect. God, help us to take this message this morning, to leave here with joy, and to be able to share it with others. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, illusionists, illusionists, they, they fascinate me. You know, it's amazing how they can make things disappear and and reappear. And David Copperfield is, is one, of, one of the best, at least he's the most commercially successful illusionist, according to Forbes magazine. Now, I remember watching one of his shows where he made the Statue of Liberty disappear. And I knew that it was an illusion, but, but it just seemed so real, almost real enough to believe. Now, I'm sure that, that you have watched magicians, you have watched illusionists in the past and you have been amazed by them as well and while illusionists while they amaze us illusionists they make it easy for us to write off the unexplainable kind of like the resurrection Jesus's resurrection you see if we're if we're being real I mean it is hard to believe that Jesus rose from the dead we don't we don't have a category of people resurrecting from the dead it's not something that that happens 
Sure, there are plenty of stories of, of people who have died on the operating table and, and were brought back to life. There are even stories of people who have had out-of-body experiences during medical emergencies, but there are not a lot of stories of people who have been dead for three days and then have resurrected from the grave. And if there are, there, there's always some catch that goes along with it, always a, a medical explanation for, for why that person appeared as if they were dead but they really weren't. When it comes to Jesus' death, there's this theory that, that posits just that, that, that Jesus appeared to be dead, but he really wasn't dead. It's known as the swoon theory. Those who hold to the swoon theory believe that Jesus, he just passed out on the cross from all of his injuries. And, and somehow, when he was taken off of the cross, when he was placed in the grave, the soldiers and, and all of the other people who saw and, and who handled him throughout that time did not realize that Jesus was just passed out. And over the next couple of days, as, as Jesus lay in the grave, he recovered from his injury, so much so that, that eventually he was able just to, to walk out of the grave on his own accord. There's a group of people who believe that theory. And I don't know about you, but... But that theory sounds a bit absurd to me. As we're going to see in a moment, Jesus' injuries, they, they were not superficial injuries that you could just recover from in a, in a couple of days. They were, they were mortal wounds. And there's no way that Jesus would have survived. But it's a convenient theory for, for those who are looking to deny the reality of the resurrection. For, for those who want to believe that Jesus is just this master illusionist. See, when we don't want to honestly consider the truth, we will believe almost anything. We will believe that, that Jesus fainted on the cross, that, that, he, that his spear pierced side miraculously healed in three days, and that he walked out of a grave that was guarded by highly trained Roman soldiers whose lives depended on Jesus actually staying in the grave. See, when we don't want to honestly consider the truth, we will believe almost anything. Now today is, is Easter Sunday, is the day that, that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. And I know that, that many of you don't have an issue with believing that Jesus rose from the grave. You find hope in that, and, and rightly so. For some of you, you, you might be on the fence this morning. Maybe you're here because your, your neighbor or family member or, or a friend invited you to come. Maybe you're watching online for the same reason. Or maybe you came today, you're, you're seeking answers, you're, you're seeking hope in, in this uncertain time in which we are living. Maybe you're wondering if the resurrection is a reality or is just Jesus just a master illusionist who has fooled us for all of these centuries? And if Jesus' resurrection is a reality, you might be wondering, well, well how, do I, how do I respond to that? What do, I, what do I do with that? Maybe you're asking those questions this morning. Maybe you're looking for hope this morning. Maybe you're wondering, can Jesus change my life? And I believe he can do all of those things. I believe that Jesus can provide us hope in uncertain times. I, I believe that, that he answers life's deepest questions. I believe that Jesus can change everyone's life. But it all hinges on the resurrection being a reality. If Jesus didn't resurrect from the grave, we, we have no hope because death is the end of us all. But, but Jesus did rise from the grave and we can, we can celebrate that. We are celebrating that today. We can experience joy because of that. We can have peace because Jesus resurrected from the grave. Many of you 
want to believe that. You want to believe that, that Jesus rose from the grave, but, but maybe you're wondering here this morning, how can I know that Jesus' resurrection was a reality? If it all hinges on the resurrection, how can I know that the resurrection was a reality? Well, first we've got to, we've got to begin with Jesus' death and, and his burial. And we need to answer the question, how do we know that Jesus' death and burial really happened? In Jesus' day, the Romans, they, they occupied the, the Jewish territory and, and the governor of the land was, was Pilate. And, and Pilate, he, he would have made sure that Jesus was dead. Matthew 27, it, it recounts the, uh, the arrest, the trial, uh, the death and, and the burial of, of Jesus. And, and if we skip to the end of that, if we skip to the trial, we learn that, that Pilate thought that Jesus was an innocent man. That the accusations that were levied against Jesus were nothing more than, than these trumped up charges brought against an innocent man by, by some jealous leaders who wanted to see Jesus disappear so they could get on with the power that they had. And Pilate knew these charges were bogus and, and Pilate didn't want to condemn an, an innocent man to death. And so he said, well, I'm going to give the people a choice. I'm going to give the people a choice between allowing Jesus to be let go and allowing another criminal by the name of Barabbas to be let go. And he thought, look, the people, they certainly would not choose Barabbas. I mean, he is a known criminal. He's notorious. And it was just so obvious that, that Jesus was, was actually innocent. But, but the Jewish leaders, they went and they, they stirred up the crowd. So that when Pilate asked them who he should let go, the the, the crowd said they should let Barabbas go. And then when Pilate asked them, well, well, what should I do with Jesus? They said, you should crucify him. I think it's safe to say that, that Pilate's plan had, had backfired on him, but we learn in verse 24 that, that he didn't want to risk a riot, and so he gave in to the Jews' request. Look at verse 24 of Matthew 27. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning... He took water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. And then he released them, then released for them Barabbas and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. And that's exactly what happened. And Jesus was crucified. Jesus died a horribly painful death at the hand of Roman executioners. And after Jesus' death, a man by the name of Joseph of, of Arimathea, he was one of Jesus' disciples, though he wasn't one of the twelve, but he was one of Jesus' disciples. He comes to Pilate and he says, hey, I, I want Jesus' body so that I can provide him with a proper burial. And Pilate allowed him to have Jesus' body. He handed it over to him. Now, now knowing that backstory. I believe it's safe to say that, that Pilate would not have handed Jesus' body over if Jesus were still alive. I mean, could you imagine what, what would happen? Could you imagine the mess that, that Pilate would have on his hands? I mean, certainly, certainly the Jews would have, would have broken out in a, in a major riot. And then the Romans, well, they would, have, they would have removed him from his position as governor. And though Pilate knew that, that Jesus was innocent. He wasn't willing to risk his position. He wasn't willing to risk all that, that came with that position just to save Jesus. And so I believe it's safe to say that Jesus was dead when Pilate handed his body over to Joseph of Arimathea for burial. 
But, but Pilate was not the only one who had a vested interest in seeing that Jesus was dead. The Roman soldiers did as well. During the trial and, and after Jesus' death, the Roman soldiers were tasked with watching over Jesus. Now in Rome, when, when you were, if you were a soldier and, and you were tasked with watching over a criminal, your life depended on it. If the criminal escaped, well, then, then you, would be, you would be killed. That's why John in his gospel, he tells us that, that the soldiers ran a spear into Jesus' heart before taking him off the grave, right? Taking him off the cross. They wanted to make sure that Jesus was, was actually dead. And then even after removing him from the cross, even after having run a spear through his heart, they would have, they would have definitely made sure that, that Jesus wasn't breathing, that he didn't just faint on the cross, that, that he was actually dead. You see, there's no way that Jesus just fainted that day. He, he was actually dead. Pilate and the soldiers would have made sure of that, but, but their examination is not all that we have to go on. We also have Joseph of Arimathea who handled Jesus. I mean, he, he took Jesus, he, he cleaned him, he, he prepared him for burial, and then he placed him in the tomb. And then Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they, they were present at Jesus' burial. They, they witnessed Jesus being placed in the tomb. They, they witnessed the, the stone being rolled in front of the grave. If Jesus were alive, they would never have placed Jesus in, in the grave. They would have ushered him out of the city. They would have nursed him back to health so that he could continue his ministry. But that's not what happened, is it? It said Jesus, he was placed in the tomb. And he wasn't placed in the tomb to, to fool everyone. This, this wasn't a massive conspiracy that was happening. Jesus was placed in the grave because Jesus was really dead. And while it's true that Jesus was dead when he was placed in the grave, it's also true that, that the grave could not hold Jesus. I mean, that is, that is why we are here this morning. That is why we are a church. That is why we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Because the grave could not hold Jesus. After three days, Jesus resurrected from the grave. But how do we know? How do we know that Jesus' resurrection really happened? While Christians believe and profess the resurrection to be a, a reality, there, there are some who object to the idea that Jesus resurrected from the grave. They say that, that Jesus' resurrection was just this, this massive hoax, that it was all made up by the disciples who came and then they, they stole his body away underneath the cover of darkness. But, but that is far from the reality of, of what happened that day. We know that's far from the reality because the grave that Jesus was placed in was like a maximum security prison. In Matthew 27, 60, we're told that, that Jesus' tomb was hewn from a single stone. And being carved out of this, this massive rock, there, there was no hidden back door. There was no trap door. There was no way that they were tunneling underneath and, and taking Jesus' body out. Jesus was entombed in this massive stone. There was only one way in. In one way out. Jesus' tomb was also sealed with, with Pilate's seal, which meant that stealing Jesus' body out of that would have been a criminal offense. And not only that, but, but the entrance and the exit to the tomb was guarded by Roman soldiers. Look at Matthew 27, starting in verse 62. The next day, that is the day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they gathered before Pilate and they said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, 
lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people. He has risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go make it as secure as you can. And so they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. The soldiers placed at the entrance of the tomb, they, they were highly trained Roman soldiers. I mean, think about the Navy SEALs today. You know, the Green Berets, someone like that, the Rangers, being placed at, at the entrance to this tomb to guard it. They, they weren't lackadaisical about their job at, at all. I mean, remember, their, their lives are on the line, which meant that they were going to make sure that Jesus stayed in that grave if they had to fight to the death to make that happen. And knowing all that, I hope that you see that there was no way that the disciples could have come and they could have stolen Jesus' body away underneath the cover of darkness. The entrance to the tomb was guarded by these Roman soldiers. And though the disciples, some of them, they were, they were pretty burly guys, right? They were, they were fishermen. They were, they, were, they were hardened people. They were no match for these highly trained Roman soldiers who were willing to fight to the death. Even though the tomb was like a maximum security prison, though, Jesus escaped from the grave. Not because his disciples snuck in and, and snuck him out some secret back door uh, as, the, as the soldiers slept, nor, nor did they defeat the Roman guards in some hand-to-hand -hand combat. Jesus escaped the grave because he resurrected from the dead and he walked out underneath his own accord. Amen. We know Jesus escaped the grave because the two Marys saw the empty tomb and met the resurrected Jesus. Look at the text that we read here as I began. Chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for <clears throat> an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. He, his appearance was like a lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And so they departed quickly for, from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And so we see that, that the two Marys, they, they come upon this tomb and they see these, these hardened Roman soldiers standing there frozen with fear. An angel is just hanging out. He's just hanging out on, 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 the, on the stone that was rolled in front. Now it's been rolled back and he's hanging out there. And as they drew closer, the angel speaks to the two Marys, and, and he tells them that, that Jesus has risen indeed. Just as he told you he would do during his life and his, and his ministry, he has risen from the dead. Just as the, the chief priests were, were concerned about that, that he would rise from the dead, as he said, he's risen. But not because his disciples came and stole his body away, but because he really resurrected from the grave. And they say, look, he hasn't disappeared. You're going to be able to, to see him again. Go tell the disciples he's going to be in Galilee. You go to Galilee yourself and you will see the resurrected Savior. Now on their way to, 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 to tell the disciples to go to Galilee, they are, encounter the resurrected Jesus themselves. So look at the text starting in verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. 
And they came up and, and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there you will see me. And so these two Marys, they, they not only saw this empty tomb, but, but they also saw the resurrected Jesus. And they didn't, just, they didn't just see the resurrected Jesus. They actually came and, and bowed before him and they, they grabbed his feet. And Jesus was not a, was not a ghost. Jesus was not a, not a spirit, right? You can't go and grab the, the feet and, and hold that in your hands. Jesus was flesh and blood. There was a man standing before them. And so here we have eyewitness testimony that, that Jesus' tomb was empty. And not only did these two women see an empty tomb, but, but they held the resurrected Savior them, themselves. And I believe the eyewitness testimony that, that Matthew includes of these two women heightened the credibility. You see, women in, in Jesus' day, not so much today, but, but women in Jesus' day, they were, they were thought of as second-class citizens. They, they weren't really given a voice in society. They, they could never go and, and, and give eyewitness testimony at a trial. But here, Matthew, he puts them in as, as key eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. And I believe that, that Matthew doing that heightens the credibility. He doesn't, he doesn't switch them out for two men and say, no, nobody's ever going to believe that, that two women saw him. Well, let me put two guys in here. Let me put two of the disciples in here. No, he keeps them in there. And I believe that, that heightens the credibility of his account. But these two women's testimony aren't the only evidence that we have. We also see that, that the soldiers themselves testified to the resurrection. Matthew 28, verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And so as the two Marys, they're going to, to tell the disciples what had happened, who they had seen, who they had countered. Some of the guards, the guards that were there at the tomb, the guards that were, were supposed to be guarding Jesus, the ones who were frozen in fear, they go into the city and they tell the chief priests exactly what happened. Another conversation isn't documented for us, but I would imagine that, that they would relay that, that an angel came down, that, that the stone was rolled away, that, that Jesus walked out of the grave, that the grave was empty, that, that, that the angel spoke to the two Marys and told them exactly what happened. I believe that they would have relayed that to the chief priests. Again, do not be afraid, the angel said. For I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. They would have heard that with their own ears, even though they could not move for fear. And so while we don't have the exact details of this conversation, I'm fairly certain these are, what the thing, these are the things that the soldiers told the chief priests. And what did the chief priests do with the information? I mean... Did they admit that they were wrong? Did, did they believe and become Jesus' disciples? Well, not hardly. They instituted a massive, massive cover-up. Verse 12. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and, and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. And so they come up with this story. One at, one at face value might seem somewhat believable, but, 
but as you dig in just, just a little bit, you find that there's no way this is a believable. I mean, again, these soldiers' lives were on the line. There's no way that any of them would have fallen asleep. I mean, they were only going to be guarding the tomb for a couple of days. And if they did fall asleep, you could imagine that they would have slept in shifts to make sure that, that someone did not come and, and steal Jesus' body away. See, there's, there's no way that this could have actually happened. One of them was bound to wake up, even if, even if they all did fall asleep. I mean, think about rolling this massive stone out from in front of the tomb. That certainly would have made some noise. And finding Jesus' body stumbling around in the darkness would have certainly woken someone up. And I think the willingness of people to believe such an unbelievable story gives further credence to the reality of the resurrection. It shows that, that people are willing to believe almost anything, even an absurd story as this, if it means that they don't have to believe in and submit to Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. And so the fact that, that people actually believe this story and still believe it to this day, I believe, gives further evidence that the resurrection was a reality. As we continue in the text, we see that, that the two Marys and, and the soldiers, they, they weren't the only ones who saw the resurrected Jesus. At the end of chapter 28, Jesus' disciples also encountered the resurrected Jesus. At the end of chapter 28, it pictures the, the disciples uh, with Jesus before he ascended into, into heaven and meeting with them. Jesus gives them a commission. He told them that they were to, to spread the gospel message, the truth about his resurrection and his death on, on their behalf to all of the world. And you know what? They, they did just that. The disciples went from Jerusalem to the end of the Roman world telling people that Jesus was their Savior, that on the cross He suffered the punishment that we deserve. And as sinners, we all deserve to be punished by God. We all deserve God's wrath. But here's the thing, God loves us. And so God sends His Son for us. He makes a way for us to escape His wrath by allowing His Son to die in our place. And as Jesus was hanging on the cross, the Father's wrath was poured out on Jesus in our place. He took the nails in his hands that we deserve. He took the, the spear through his side that we deserve. He took the very wrath of God that we deserve. All so that we can have a relationship with God. Also, that we can escape death. And when we believe in Jesus, when we admit that we are sinners, when we repent of our rebellion against God and we turn to say, God, I see that you are the all-wise creator of the universe. I see that you are the king of this universe. When we repent of our sins and we turn to follow Jesus, when we admit that we can't save ourselves, but that only Jesus can and that Jesus did as he was hanging on the cross for us. And we experience salvation. Amen. We experience a restored relationship with the Father. We have hope of a future resurrection. Jesus' death becomes our death. Jesus' resurrection becomes our resurrection. And we have hope. We have peace. We have joy. This is the gospel message that, that the disciples proclaim. This is the same gospel message that has come all the way down to us 2,000 years later. 
we are still proclaiming. We are still hoping in today. And the disciples, they, they spread this message at, at great cost. They were persecuted. Many of them were killed for spreading this message. But nevertheless, they remained faithful to spread this message despite all of the hardships that they faced. And the reason they spread the good news, even at, at great cost, is because they were confronted with the reality of the resurrection and they believed in the resurrected Savior. So much so that they were willing to give their lives for it. You see, if Jesus really hadn't been and raised from the grave, if they really didn't have hope in a future resurrection, why would they go out and spread this gospel message at great cost for themselves? Why would they be killed for a lie? They wouldn't be. I wouldn't be killed for a lie. I know that you wouldn't be killed for a lie. It wasn't a lie. It was the truth. Jesus really had resurrected from the grave. The two Marys, the soldiers, the disciples, they all testify to the resurrection. And faced with the reality of the resurrection, faced with the reality of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, how should we respond? How do we respond to the reality of this? Well, there are two ways that you can respond this morning. You could, you could reject Jesus. You could do what the chief priests did, even, even though they knew that the resurrection was a reality, even though there was no shadow of a doubt, you could continue to reject Jesus. And they, the chief priests, they did that. They did that because they wanted to continue down their own path. They wanted to blaze their own trail. They wanted to continue to live as rebellious sinners who would say, God is not my king, I am my own king. I will determine what is right and wrong. I will determine how I experience salvation. And it's not through Jesus. You could continue down that path. You could continue to reject Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And you could try to save yourself. It's not going to work. Or you could believe in Jesus. This was the choice of the two Marys. And the disciples is the choice that they made confronted with, with the reality of the resurrection. They believed in Jesus. And they showed their belief by going and telling others the good news that Jesus is our Savior. Amen. That he has resurrected indeed just as he said that he would. You can respond in that way as well. You can respond by believing that Jesus is your Lord and is, and is your Savior. And you show that. By repenting of your sins, turning to Jesus, and by going and telling others of the hope that you have in the resurrected Savior. And when you do that, you will have hope. See, those who believe in Jesus experience hope despite the circumstances that they find themselves in. And many of you are here today because you have experienced the hope and you are here to celebrate the resurrected Savior. Many of you may be here, you may be watching online because you are looking for hope. You are looking for peace. Let me just say that today your search can be over. You can have hope. You can have peace. You can have joy that, that transcends circumstances. If you would turn to Jesus and admit that He is your Lord and is your Savior. You can have meaning and purpose in life. That can be yours today. Turning and believing in Jesus. Let today be a day of, of celebration for you. 
Let it be a day of celebration, a day that, that you turn to Jesus and you experience salvation as we worship the resurrected Savior this morning. That's how you can respond today. And in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity for us to do just that, to respond to this message, to respond to the hope that we have in Jesus. As both Christians and non-Christians alike, we are called to respond to the preached word. And so in a moment, Scott, he's going to come here, he's going to sing for us, and it's going to be an opportunity for us to respond, to respond by celebrating Jesus' resurrection and the hope that provides us to respond by turning to Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. I'll be down here at the front. If, if you want to publicly profess your faith in Christ this morning, and we would be thrilled for you to do that here on Easter Sunday. Or if you have more questions, both Ryan and I will be out back and we'd be happy to talk with you after the service or even set a meeting or lunch or coffee with you this week to talk more about the hope that we have in the resurrected Savior. And so let's respond. Let's do that. Let me pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the, the hope that we have in Jesus. We thank you that you have sent a Savior for us, God. You have made a way for us to experience a restored relationship with you and eternal life through Jesus. God, we pray this morning that, that today would be a day of celebration for us who have turned to Jesus as our resurrected Lord. And God, we ask also that you would work in the hearts of those who are here, who are watching online, Lord, that, that you might work in their heart, that you might draw them to yourself here this morning so that they can celebrate, that they can celebrate the hope that they too can have in the resurrected Savior. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.